Hey, old pooches. What up, what up? How's, uh, how's everything going? Good, good. Not bad, actually. I'm back in Kuwait, so I have proper Wi-Fi, proper mic. Um, nice, nice. There's no weird scrunching bed noises anymore. True. I think I both mean, of our is, listeners are really going to enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, both of our <laughs> listeners are going to love it. Exactly. Yeah. By the way, we are joined today by a uh, dirty hillbilly in an orange hat who uh, had a company I once used to sit on the board of. Because uh, I have, if I had sat on anything else, I would have caught something. So uh, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, I need I need one of those like old school FM radio soundboards. But anyways, it's uh, say no. Oh, true. Yeah. Hello, everyone. How's how's it going, guys? So yeah, I, I am bad. dressed like a like a hillbilly that's wearing a McLaren cap and an Adidas top. So it's a pretty cool yeah. hillbilly, if you ask me. Cap says oh, McLaren. A... Budget says nineteen ninety seven Nissan one eight. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yes, we all we all love those founder salaries, don't we? <laughs> okay. For, uh, so for those unacquainted, so uh, Hussein is a uh, four, five-time founder at this point, right? Uh, one of the few founders in the region, seven-time founder, seven. one of the few founders in the region wow. with uh, two exits. Uh, we have to give you like a like a, a mandatory like on radio or on air uh, nickname. Let's see, um, menace of Manama. No. Uh, <laughs> East of Bahrain. The Manama Menace. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I like it. Right? Menace. We'll like find that. something. Yeah. The listeners will come up with something. <laughs> anyway, so you are. I have a, uh, I have a thing it's going to be bad. But anyway, <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> As with most things associated with this show, yes. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, t- tell us tell us a bit about yourself and then how uh, we ended up meeting. Sure. Uh, so, serial entrepreneur, like you said, this term that I really despise the shit out of but anyway nevertheless it is necessary for us to uh say you know say serial entrepreneur because we've done it a couple of times multiple times uh, not a couple a few times so i've launched it it was i think 2012 i used to work in you know several financial institution jobs and then that's when i quit and i launched my first business uh which failed miserably of course i came up with a million dollar idea just like every other arab or persian guy or whatever whatever person in the region it does and basically gcc <laughs> and they immediately think restaurant yeah million dollars mm. sure now that flopped miserably within the first year so uh, i recall after that flopping i said you know i was thinking of doing something else let me jump into tech, tech space so i launched a uh, you know a business in the tech space catering to b2b uh, food generally so basically connecting suppliers with restaurants by offering a solution it was way too early uh, for its time so that was the main issue plus i had no idea what the fuck i was doing so <laughs> that, that too so which is the case for every startup founder uh, no matter how smart they are okay <laughs> now let's go oh, yeah. to a certain level and then uh, i think that i managed to learn how to fail quicker so the first six i think within six months i realized that yeah no nobody's picking that up no one's gonna leave their ledger today and use a tablet especially with uh, you know the more the expensive tablets in 2013 whatnot 1314. So uh, that was a quick fail for me as well. So then it was a movie moment where I was banging my head against the wall, fully dressed under the shower. Yeah, right. literally. Yeah, again, thinking, how am I going to buy Pampers for my kid? <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. And then I, I, it like hit me. My wife takes me and takes me a screenshot of a dish uh, from a uh, food ordering app. Should I mention names? But anyways, the food ordering app. <laughs> so, there's only one. <laughs> That's relevant. But yeah, so, and I was like, yeah, I wish I could click on this and it immediately go to cart. And that gave me an idea right then and there. So after, obviously I had to walk out of the shower and 
because of X, okay? <laughs> just, just in case there's anybody wondering. <laughs> and then say, after looking at that text, uh, I, I, thinking of that, uh, instead of ordering the food, I pick up the phone, call a couple of guys and immediately set up a meeting. We sat down a day, a day, a day later, put something together and launched my first business uh, that actually was a, no, an exit or a success, if you, want, if you may call it, uh, that catered to basically restaurants that wanted to do delivery. But the difference is uh, it uh, had something that, that of a social aspect. So in a sense, you could connect with people. And uh, what happens is if you send something to someone, they could click on that something, and then they'll immediately be able to, you know, take it to cart and order together and then share it to a social media platform. That was the only USP, unique selling point or whatever you want to call it. And that actually did uh, very well. So we were able to actually, you know, cater to almost 12,000 weekly orders, give or take. Uh, so, uh, that did pretty well in Bahrain. The same investors that actually were funding the platform uh, thought to, uh, told us that, uh, hey, is it possible for us to uh, buy it from you? I was like, um, is it? I don't know. No, it's too early. It's like just a year and a month in. It's like, no, no, it's okay. Here, there you go. And they gave me a check. I was like, no, no, there's no way I'm selling Okay, you know what? Yeah, sure, you can take the business. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that was that, that was the narrative of my first exit. And uh, what was the second? I don't one? know what happened. The second one was immediately after. So I launched a peak hour delivery shortage platform. So what what we did is we helped uh, companies that did delivery. Again, it was within the logistics space. Uh, they were they could possibly act. They could uh, hire three or four or five delivery agents that are within the vicinity by using a platform when they need it. So from seven to 12, for example. And that, and those agents would be directed to them and they'd pay them by the hour, literally. Six months, we actually broke even in that business. Uh, and then month eight afterwards, we were doing you know, we were doing so well that the local family business that was in the logistics space that didn't know how to tackle this, were like, uh, can we buy the business from you? And at that time, I didn't even wait. I didn't even say yeah, no. No, I immediately said okay because I was thinking I want to do something else. I wanted to jump into the data analytics space. I wanted to jump into you know examine the, the you know the social commerce. I wanted to check. Uh, e-commerce. I want to see. I want to see different things, and I met my co-founder for Inigrab, which is the company that uh, Mr. Aziz here sat on the board of. <laughs> so uh, we, we, I sold that business and I immediately jumped into, into Inigrab. So it, it didn't take a break whatsoever, and I launched that business uh, that did actually surprisingly well in the first uh, first few months. We managed to raise money from a lot of company investors like Faith Capital, Arzad Venture Capital, Faith hence Aziz. Uh, you know, Arzan Venture Capital, Venture Capital, Bahrain Development Bank. You know, the names are are endless. We actually had a total of seven, seven, eight investors uh, in a span of a year and a half, which included some private offices as well. And uh, we did actually very well. Uh, the only thing is, when COVID hit, we ended up having to uh, lose half of that investment. Not us losing it, but the investor had to pull out because they need that cash. But we yeah. still made do with that with the other half. Uh, you know, generally that kills a business. But um, nevertheless, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blame it on that. We still did a very good job. When we decided to fundraise again, it, the fad of social commerce started fading surprisingly in the region. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, people were not interested to fund it anymore. And you know, this is a very cash intensive business, capital intensive business. Excuse me. And uh, mm -hmm. we we couldn't make it uh, make it work. And we ended up white labeling the solution and kind of like letting everybody know that it's off. Right. Again, didn't stop. 
launched another two businesses, <laughs> and I'm doing consultancy consultancy work uh, and hold several mandates with a couple, a lot of businesses plus advisory for several startups. So I'm all over the place, guys. Nice. Sorry for the long intro. <laughs> no, that was actually pretty much perfectly timed. Uh, yeah, so we, we met when I was sitting on the board of uh, Inigrab, and I remember I think it was my smallest check at the it, time. Yes. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Yeah. It sorry. Was. Actually, the way <laughs> yeah, things sure. wound up, not sorry. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe you know, if I, it wasn't that small, I could have actually won. Anyways, never mind. <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not gonna have this fight on air. But actually, <laughs> hey man, hey, we pulled listen, hard. Hamid, we pulled really Hamid hard. Concurred. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> As I'm, I stick on the founder side. You know, I I don't yeah. get the whole VC space just yet. Yeah. yeah. You realize I can cancel your debit card, right? Oh shit! Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> you're know. you're an awesome VC man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, I wanted I wanted to do a hard pivot. So I know. I mean, we used to have uh, a lot of good discussions every time we met for you know a board yeah. meeting, which was like 20 minutes and then like three hours at a restaurant. But um, yeah. Uh, I want to resurrect a discussion we had, I think, 2019, back when you and I were kind of prognosticating on, oh, what would happen to the market in the event of a downturn? What does it look like? Blah, blah, blah. So I don't know if you remember this, but when we went to uh, a breakfast, when you were in Kuwait or lunch or something, I don't remember, but uh, we discussed um, you know, what happens to the middle of the portfolio, right? So, okay, for context, it's in, in, any, in any venture market, really, you know, you have you take your portfolio and then you have this Pareto principle or, you know, the power law of returns. So generally what it w- kind of works out to be is like, you know, the top third are good performers, middle, middle third are kind of uh, treading water, not great, not, not crap. And then the bottom third, either dead or dying. Right. Mm-hmm. So in most venture markets, I mean, you know, the, the top third are either the very large MA or IPO targets. That's how you get your liquidity as investor and pay back you, uh, as your investors, your LPs. Um, the, the, the issue is in, in that middle, right. In the middle ground of that portfolio, we don't really have a whole bunch of tiny boutique investment banks peppering the GCC region doing, you know, tech mid-market M and a, because most of the M and a that happens say in the States, for example, or even in Europe is kind of between 50 and $200 million. So mm-hmm. these are the, the, these are the investments that make your founders pretty rich. Um, they don't exactly pay back the portfolio many times over. That's what the top third does, and especially the number one uh, investment. But you know th- that serves a fun- uh, that serves a purpose in the market because number one, it prevents these zombie companies um, either continuously raising or not raising and just staying you know with their heads barely above water. Um, and also, it prevents the hoarding of talent. So if talent can be much better allocated at some other you know high flying company generating more return on uh you know the capital that is their salary um they're kind of better better there but the issue is i mean what happens in this region to that middle segment of the part of the portfolio this is actually the biggest issue in the region today that middle segment exists all over the place now, i mean there are very high performance of course but those high performers get a you know significant push in the beginning anyways either it's been very heavily funded by the founders of that business or uh, you know it's, it's someone that you know has been sort of like let's let's put it out there there is a wow factor you know that, and, and it's just yeah. there. there there's some sort of a push uh, but then the middle the, the, the middle ones the only issue that they face is they're they're not 
understand they don't understand that how, how can they make it a bit more exciting and uh, i don't know whether whether that makes sense or not there's there's a two-way thing you know obviously the founder side you got to be accepting of a potential pivot you got to be you know accepting the fact that you need to make this a bit more exciting uh yes put your head down and work and make something that's value uh, add value and can make money can make money or whatever and grow and scale significantly but at the same time there has to be this pr factor you have to have a face you have to have someone that's going to continuously talk about your business and become your evangelist whether it's you or someone else within the team or the founding team yeah. but then the other side of it is a lot of vcs end up determining that themselves regardless yeah. of you know regardless of figures and numbers so you come up with and, and tell them as a founder that hey my trajectory is yay it's going upwards it's it's beautiful mm -hmm. you know you Sure, I'm not profitable. Sure, I'm not. I don't make a huge uh, uh, profits or not, or whatnot. Obviously, you're not supposed to be profitable in the first three years of your life. That's what I. At least we know, um, because it's natural, right? You're just scaling as you go. Mm -hmm. The VC, you show them that trajectory, and still they manage to determine that hey, you're still within that middle ground. You're not that exciting. So you yeah. end up feeling, you end up feeling what what would be exciting then? What yeah. sort of growth? billions i'm in bahrain i'm trying to scale out of the country i need money to be able to do that and i still managed to score a good trajectory for example right and then and then that's what uh, that's the the situation that you're that, that a lot of founders are you know face themselves yeah. face in that now region more or less but, but yeah but see your your so, exits were <clears throat> kind of peculiar because a they're pretty rare and a, and, and b you've had two of them which is yeah. They weren't exits that were in the you know hundreds and hundreds of millions that required investment banks and uh, legal counsel that yeah. worked together for six months yeah. and you know yeah. they were just kind of you wouldn't you wouldn't would have been on my board otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's yeah. Thank you, thank you. But <laughs> there is shit we said prior to when I hit record that I'm more than happy to hash out. Right? So, uh, <laughs> go but but I mean you know the the buyer in your case. Um, were these companies that weren't necessarily known for making 10 acquisitions a month yeah. that that's, you know, they weren't, they weren't these, they weren't the fangs who were like buying companies left and right every week. But, you know, how did you bring that about? Like, how did that, how did it transpire exactly? Did they literally just knock the door and say, Hey, here's a check. So, yeah. So the first one, what, what happened was, you know, we, the business was doing very well. And it was purely greed at that at that point. It was doing very well. It was growing significantly. We were throwing dishing out plans right before there was actual providing the full delivery end to end uh, by the current players in the market. We were actually starting to do it. So if I had gone, I I firmly believe that if I had went, gone gone forward and actually provided that service, and they would have been available, we would have been one of the companies that actually sold for a hundred mil plus plus. But yeah. uh, but then again, at that at the time. I, it was my first, one of my first businesses that that was taking off. So I, you know, I, I, I wasn't thinking clearly. I would say, I, I didn't have that uh, clairvoyance <laughs> where I could see yeah. the future and whatnot. What, what so, so what happened was they they saw that growth, they saw that those numbers, and then whenever they would come in and try to you know, meddle with the business, I was always standing in front of them and telling them, nope. I'm doing it the way we're supposed to do it as founders. Yeah. Please, you as an investor, don't meddle with it. Obviously, contractually, that was that did not, you know, those VC contracts didn't exist at that time in our region, yeah. at least, where you know I'm just going to give you money and when you need me, let me know. No, that, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. But no, for them, they wanted to meddle with the business on a daily basis. Every accounting figure, every number was there. They would they 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 would go to certain extremes at some point, and there was always some sort of a clash. And I believe that plus the fact that they saw there was a growth in the business. 
uh, got them a bit, a bit greedy and they thought, hey, you know what? If he can do it, I can do it. Let me buy it off. Mm-hmm. And they gave me a check. And when, at the time, to be honest, I had just come off two failed, two failed businesses, no no income whatsoever. I have kids, it just looked you know, good. Kids at home. It, it looked beautiful for me. So I thought, yeah, yeah. you know what? This is going to solve a lot of issues. And, right. and I, I took it. So then jumping afterwards to the second one, it wasn't greed. It was literally because we solved the problem that existed in the market and the local family business that was in the space, tried to solve it, but couldn't. Mm-hmm. And and they, they couldn't understand it because they 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 weren't technologically uh, you know not that this very heavily technologically advanced it just had a small you know <laughs> web layer and that's about it but then what happened was they saw it and they thought this these guys have figured it out they know how to solve it they have a nice client base that we don't have access to plus there's a solution plus there's a team that's exist existing you know what instead of me they, they did the smart choice in my in my book at least. Uh, to, instead of me launching something to compete with it, let me just acquire it. That's it's relatively small. It's in the first year, first year of its life, mm-hmm. so it's time for me to acquire it. And and uh, and and you'll you'll be surprised actually, both of them. So the first business when that when they acquired it, what happened was they couldn't make it work. A year later, it shut down. It disappeared. Mm-hmm. There were they, they. The thing is, when they did it, they even rebranded and tried so many different things, but. The thing is, they removed the founder from a business that was doing very well, and yeah. they were thinking with greed, specifically greed. So they thought, hey, let's turn, let's make money out of it instead of let's make it grow and eventually make money out of it. Yeah. And there's a fine line between these two. Actually, not a fine line, huge line. Then. <laughs> so the second, the second one, on the other hand, because it solved the problem, they are one of the biggest businesses in Bahrain right now that caters to the to end to end delivery, and. You know, it's still there. They changed the are, name. Are, you, are they, you comfortable sharing it. the name? The, well, when I what I called it, I called it Tislim. It was Tislim yeah. Logistics, but it was it acquired. Uh, I, I can't share that. Really? They, no, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Oh. There was part. There was a clause. You know that, Aziz. I told you that. Oh right, yeah. You, you, well, you, our you, our you, listeners you, don't know that, so I have to play dumb sometimes. Thanks for playing along. <laughs> yeah. That was a test. That was a test. No, I couldn't. I, I would have. I would have been in trouble, jackass. <laughs> Wait, how, many, how, how many years has it been? Oh no, two more years. Two more years on okay. the non-disclosure clause. After oh, two okay. years, I'm so in two years, we're gonna, like a really like nasty episode telling us all the details. And you know, looks, looks everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was I was going to add a point where like the 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 story of your second acquisition second acquisition is actually very similar to the the nature of M and A that we see like here in Los Angeles and like this yeah. startup scene where it's like you have you have a driven founder that's going after a specific mission and not really um, you know revenue is great and like returning to shareholders and all that type of stuff but it's not the number one thing and oh, there's a lot of like startups coming up right now especially founded by like people in my network as well that are focused on a specific mission or focused on a specific problem they're trying to solve. And the reason for the, a lot of the acquisitions that we see are all because they built a data mode that is very, very hard to replicate, or they built um, a tech stack or, or just a specific application that's super hard to replicate. And what, what I'm noticing a little bit now that's actually even helping out some more is a point that you touched on, which is um, founder image or like personal brand building a little bit. Um, this is kind of weird and I'm I'm just getting into it a little bit but everyone I know is you know a, a founder with like lord knows how many followers on Twitter multiple connections to different funds and founders and stuff like that and there's 
you know, it's it's gotten to a point here in Los Angeles where large, large companies are even scheduling or or um, hosting community building events where, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the Brexes and AWSs, they all have these like community building events where they just invite a crap ton of founders and investors. And most of the connections that happen on there, if not email or like, oh, what's your Twitter? Let's, let's, let's follow each other on Twitter. And Twitter is LinkedIn for, for VCs. Yeah, Twitter is yeah. honestly turning into LinkedIn for, for the startup scene. And What's what's very interesting is I, I'm I'm seeing like stories on my timeline of like oh I I DM'd this one investor that I got like I got lunch with once, and he led our Series A and then oh I, um you know I followed someone we shit posted and shit tweeted at each other for a couple of hours and now he's like a, an advisor and he's helping us out. It's it's actually surprising how much like brand building goes like in not just like. It helps you get to where you're trying yeah. to get to with your business. It's, I mean, listen, if, if you are skilled with the DMs, you can get a term sheet or or chlamydia, but sometimes a term sheet. <laughs> yeah. More chlamydia. Yeah. Yeah. You would know. <laughs> uh, excuse me? <laughs> but on, a, on, a, on a serious note, though, yes, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, this, yeah. this might be the scene in LA. The second exit for me was was purely that was a very smart decision because it just made sense. Uh, something was built that was, was significant. You know, I, I didn't even leave the business completely. I, I was there for a few months whenever they needed me to needed attention from my end to be able to cater to a certain issue for another six months, and then they could handle it themselves. Now, yeah. They were very proactive, and it was pretty cool. Now, I mean, uh, kudos to them. These are they, they were really one of my favorite uh, people to actually deal with. It was it went very smoothly. Not one, a few of my favorite people. They were, yeah. they were a family. So, so, so yeah. Saying, you, you've had your ear to the ground, at least in the local market, more so than I have over the last, say, two years. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're watching the carnage play out in the U.S. venture market. And now that it's done being slaughtered and the, uh, you know, the public uh, equities level, it's kind of trickling down into the, uh, well, growth stage is kind of dead, right? Seed and A is becoming, well, it's not as heated as it was even like six months ago. So um, I won't give away too much, but I got calls from two people who are operating regionally. And the region is so small that if I give any more detail, you know who they are. But I got calls from two of them <laughs> <laughs> who said basically, uh, you know, the, the, the raise that we thought we would get around this time last year and the conversations we were having six months ago, um, those absolutely do not match up with what is on the table today. And we're kind of deciding whether we want to take money and dilute ourselves uh, at a rate that we did not think was even, uh, you know, su- suggestible six months mm-hmm. ago. Um, or do we uh, take uh, an exit right now because we expect capital markets to be crap over the next year or two? Um, but the euphoria is gone, clearly. And I'm judging yeah. from two phone calls. So from what you know <laughs> of the market, what is happening at the, at the VC level? I can tell you bluntly that we are very, at least regionally, yeah. very fad-driven market. Very, very fad-driven market. Bluntly. Yeah. You know, the, I, I can't tell you that the euphoria is gone because it still exists. But the, the keywords now nowadays are blockchain, Web3, fintech. These are the three main ones that right. are exciting for VCs. And they'll always entertain. They're more than happy to throw money at it. Uh, yes, of course, all the, other, all, all the others are just not going to be as interesting as of yet. And mm-hmm. it's just going to continue continue growing until that bubble bursts. I'm not going to even call it. I'm going to 
dare I call it a bubble. I mean, you know, it could, yeah. it could actually, you know, burst at some point. If not burst, at least. Well, the, know, the crypto bubble, back I mean, down. if you're talking about that one, then like, you know, altcoins are dead, like 50 to 90% mm-hmm. down, yeah. a lot of them. And the thing is like, this is despite the underlying, you know, driver of value being there, you know, like volumes have yeah. not declined on Curve Finance or Uniswap and the tokens mm-hmm. are like nickels compared to what they were just six months yeah. a year ago. So yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, but but still, I mean, the, the, when I say Web three, doesn't doesn't necessarily mean just crypto. It could be NFTs. Yeah, it yeah. could be uh, launch pads. It could be so many different things. You know, mm-hmm. whatever whatever that space entails, uh, and and uh, because of that being a very fad driven market, then yes, I would very safely say that uh, appetite decreased significantly for other things. Hence, maybe the two that contacted you uh, were in, the, in domains that were very exciting last year or the year before during COVID. No, during, I during mean, lockdowns. They, were, they were, they're all in the domains that typically don't have trouble raising. I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Food and logistics, is that it? <laughs> Your words, not mine. Okay. So yeah, if it's food and logistics, you'd think they don't have trouble, but it's saturated. It's it, yeah. it's obvious that it's saturated. The only company, if the only way for you to become a successful food and logistics business, a tech business nowadays in the region is if you have like a few million backing you from day one. Not even a few million, mm-hmm. but tens of millions backing you from day one. And and, and because what, what what value can you add? The only thing that you're going to work work around is say I'm going to decrease the delivery time for by a minute. You know that, that that's yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, we're getting to this no, point of competition yeah. where they're competing on price, which is always a losing prospect because it's a race to zero, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Do you, um, I, I do have a question about though, and, and this kind of applies to industries outside just F and B within like yeah. the media region. But is that so? The one one point you mentioned just now, um, saying is like you said that most of the founders that are getting into it have a few million to even begin with, or just like money mm-hmm. to begin with. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's like stifling competition because the barrier to entry is just so high in the region? Unless, I mean, it would be unless and only unless the founder comes up with something that is uh, that, that is very significant in terms of value add. You know, it's something that's going to be a change, you know, a major changer of the market in the market a disruptor of the market so on i mean which to be honest i don't know what it is i mean being a multi-time founder i've i've been trying to get my head around how can we make the fmb space and the logistics space better and the only way or the only ideas that come to my head and maybe i'm just having a tunnel vision at this is, is strictly time and the price wars yeah, faster and cheaper and yeah faster and cheaper and that's it but but that but 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 if someone comes up with something disruptive, which I still can't seem to understand what could be, then maybe. But mm-hmm. uh, more or less, if you have money, well, we have this issue. Not us. I think everyone does in our region. Mm-hmm. Most most startup founders or most entrepreneurs have that mm-hmm. issue. They think that they could throw money at a problem and solve it. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. Even VCs. You know, even VCs. You know, hey, you have an issue. Some VCs will just come in and throw that money at the problem. They try to figure it out, and then they just walk away and do nothing yeah. and wait for it to potentially Also, is, is there a market for the problem that they intend to solve? So you said, I mean, food and <laughs> oh, logistics. Food and logistics mm-hmm. tend to get money very easily. And by the way, if you look at outside of VC, if you look at like local PE, family funds, what are they buying? Food and logistics, right? Because that's the moneymaker here. Um, it's a ripple like, effect, dude. It's not, it's not just moneymaker. It's a ripple effect. Think of it this way. Yeah. With the day Talabat got acquired mm-hmm. for the you know, 170, 180, I don't know what the figure was, million. That yeah. was the first the exit of its kind, right? 
then right. carriage came along. They're both food and logistics. That that's what right. it is. F and B and logistics, purely that. So and the that, same buyer essentially. And the same exactly mm-hmm. the same buyer. And that again, hunger station as well. The same buyer. A couple yeah. of other businesses, same buyer. Now uh-huh. that caused the ripple effect that hey, you know what? Because these are huge right now, I'm, founders are just going to keep on launching and thinking I'm going to get acquired by one of them because I'm going to get market share, and then other people go like, yeah, you know what? Let me get on that bandwagon and yeah. put money behind it. Then you know I'm, I'm going to make money somehow, but. Mm. But if you actually dig deep into the numbers and the figures, no other business beyond those huge ones that were initially acquired is making any notable income or revenue. I know. Not revenue, profits. They're they're all cash flow negative, right? Yeah, Yeah. the the copycats are all struggling. Nobody, nobody's going to buy those or, you know, nobody's going to buy their shares of the IPO, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Unless you have deep pockets and just eventually you're going to see a, a, you know, a wave of them just disappear and die out. So. Yeah, because I think it's just it's just looking at it from and these these are a couple of points that Aziz and I talked about in a previous episode. But there's no there's nothing defensible. Like you you're pretty much coffee pasting and just rebranding. It could be that honestly, if you use the same source code, it'll yeah. no one will notice a difference. Um, Absolutely. And hmm. yeah, and and I think that's definitely like a common pitfall that a lot of different industries in the media region fall into, of just like if someone finds something, it ends up working. Um, rare occasions, there's there's a massive acquisition, like in the case of Talabat, but then, yeah, just they all come in thinking it's going to end up like that. And it's just, yeah, yeah there's no... Yeah, and, then, uh, and, and then it causes what I call the phone the, the phone shop syndrome for businesses. Mm-hmm. When I, you know, when you walk into a street that has one phone shop, you are, you know, for a fact that that street is going to have at least 25 phone shops next to it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's just too many copycats and no, nobody with any real differentiation that allows them to protect the margin. Okay. Let me, let me mention, yeah. let me mention, this is something that I consider one of my like big misses in my career. Okay. Mm. Um, so uh, there's a, you know what, I'm not going to mention the name, but you can figure it out if you know anything about the region. <laughs> so right. uh, there's, there is a very large Dubai based uh, cloud kitchens type uh, business, right? Yeah, I know it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we saw them. This back when I was at Faith, uh, we saw them when they were around seventy million, raising around seventy. Um, and you missed that. Oh shit! But here's the thing: we missed it. Well, we, I had to say no to it anyways because my employer at the time was Sharia compliant, and uh, they had like I think alcohol and pork revenue in the UK, so it was a no go. Okay. But Mm-mm. before before we saw that, we, we got we, I took a deep dive into the numbers, right? And I was mm. speaking to another investor who ultimately invested. Um, in, in the business. Um, and, uh, you know, what I said was like, where, where's the tech? Like, where, where's the tech? Like if I shut down all the computers at this business, does it not operate the same? Right. Like as there a cloud is kitchen, there is tech, but it's not dependent 100% on tech. It's going to become slower, right. but that means, yes. that, I mean, there's tech at but my that- lawyer's office, but he's not a tech company. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. No, but the thing is, the tech there boosts their speed. That's about it. Their output speed is significantly increased, but yeah. with the tech involved, and obviously there's there's the tech is there, there's hardware involved and software yeah. involved. Yeah. Right. So if tech disappears or something happens or electricity shut off or no backups or I don't know whatever, they're still going to yeah. continue running and operating, but it's going to be a massive manual shit show. <laughs> you know. But but, but, but here's but the thing. The, the arguments that you just made were used to to make the case for Blue Apron before they listed in the in the US. And this is before the yeah. current carnage. I'm talking years ago, okay? <laughs> so they listed and lost like 95% of their value. 
because everyone looked at their books and said, you are tech enabled and not a tech company. And therefore there is no reason to be valuing you at these multiples. Um, you know, so that was my fear with these guys. Now, here, here's the thing in VC, generally speaking, it can take a very long time for you to ultimately look clearly either like a genius or a dumbass, you know, yeah. and there's a lot of people who invested over the last two years and got these like crazy two, three markups a year on the same business. All right. And those businesses are now eating shit. Um, just like if you invested in 2020 and it hit $150 million valuation and they're dying to raise at 25 right now, you know, back then you looked really smart. So yeah. my issue with that company that we were talking about that we will not name because I want to get sued <laughs> is will that, will that thought, you know, will that thought basically uh, become clear to everyone else who didn't see it at the time? And will they be able to hold their valuation that they raised at because they raised the round from somebody who is now known as having vastly overpaid? If you see, if you if you see what they're doing, because I've yeah. I've seen it, I know what they're doing. They're going okay. on a huge, massive acquisition spree, buying okay. brands, different names, restaurants, kitchens, yeah. blah blah blah, whatever. But buying the, the shit ton and almost every country within the region at least I, I know for a fact they've been doing that I personally yeah. know people that actually sold their businesses to them the only thing is the reason what worries me about that is exactly what's worrying you right now is they yeah. realize that if they don't do that and just pack a shit ton of assets and brand names and that that monet value so to, so to mm -hmm. speak uh, they're not going to be able to justify their valuation maybe two years down the line if they yeah. have all these names under them then you know when people figure out hey you're tech enabled not you know you're not an actual yeah. tech business yeah uh, but hey you know what i can still be valued at this figure because i have i don't know a couple of thousand brands under my name i'm i'm as big as a right. you know something like that you know right right so but but yeah, I mean, what is Shia's multiple versus what theirs would be? Because you know, um, that's a thing. Because you know, exit down rounds have been a thing since 2018. Every time these companies exit, you know, where's it going? That's my question. Where where's it going? What is mm -hmm. what is the north star for their business? Yeah, yeah. What is the north star? Where, where are they heading? What, what's what's it going to be? You know. Well, There's here's no the thing. Way. I saw I saw some smaller ones who were doing it in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, and they're they did really well during COVID, and that's it's not really holding up after COVID. So they had yeah. the off-premises dining bump during COVID, mm -hmm. um, and all of that reverted to what it was pre-COVID as soon as the restaurants opened up again. Yeah, you know? so that's what that's so, like, so that's exactly it. What 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 is the north star? You're solving. You used to solve a problem when you were yay big. Now yeah. you're trying to monopolize the market. Mm -hmm. Technically, what is the problem you're trying to solve? Where's the value? It's yeah, more so, think... so. So so you know what I'm what, what, what I'm saying, right? So as yeah. the business grows, if it mm -hmm. scales, becomes huge. Oh, I'm a unicorn. Mm -hmm. Where's the freaking value? It disappears, and yeah. it becomes just an investment game. And it, it, it falls within the hands of the you know VCs and investors that are trying yeah. or institutions. And as a P multiple for what money. they're doing, it's not that. Yeah. It's not amazing. Yeah. So yeah. the fear the fear would be if, if for an investor, and again, we're trying very hard not to mention names, but <laughs> the, the fear for an investor is that this their last valuation, the crazy one, will be kind of cut in half um, yeah. by the time they exit five years from now, you know, uh, as just a yeah. body of bonds. Um, I mean, I so so when talking about business strategy for for what we've been doing at, at like abstract, there have been a lot of like 
parallels or just examples that we've been tearing from the F&B, the F&B industry here. And the one kind of common theme that I kind of noticed is it's all just business strategy. There's no someone built this. Like it's all about you built the same thing, kind of like I mentioned, if you use the same source code, it doesn't even matter because it functions the same virtually. Yeah. But it's just where do you expand? You know, so it's pretty much like it's pretty much you know, whether it's uh, Uber Eats going after the cities or DoorDash expanding through the like middle middle America first before going to the big cities. And it's, yeah, there, there's there's no value. And, and it's, um, it's basically the way I like to describe it is this is a, is a nice term that we heard from an advisor that we started using, but you're like, you're zucking yourself, yeah. you know? So, yeah. so it's like <laughs> yeah. you, you lose the value of the business. You lose the mission. It's just like, okay, revenue, revenue, revenue. We want to raise at this valuation. And then the minute you let you lose sight of your, your vision, it's like, that's it. It's over. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so that's the thing. It, it just disappears. It disperses eventually, and 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 that's super annoying. I mean, I mean, that's that's where I. That is definitely the case. I, I and that's. I don't know whether I'm making sense or not. But I, if you mm-hmm. notice the pattern of massive exits, mm-hmm. they always happen when value is no longer there. Yeah. They always happen when they you when I, I believe at least from from my perspective that they don't they don't see they don't they can't see the north star anymore. Like, like oh right. I reached it. it I'm a unicorn but no you were initially starting because you wanted to solve a problem that you were passionate about. Yeah. But did you solve that problem? Is it no longer an issue? No, that's right. the thing. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's 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 pretty crazy. Like because you know. There's there's this one common theme that at least I'm noticing here where it's like, you know, uh, in, in the US, a lot of startups that are coming up right now kind of, you know, they they risk or deprioritize the whole, you know, raising it massive valuations and mm. all that stuff because they just really want to focus on the problem. And mm. the more they solve that problem, whether that means more revenue for them or not, they're doing the right thing and they're focusing yeah. on the right stuff. Um, yeah. That... I have not noticed in the MENA region just yet. Like I, I've not seen people saying we want to start this com- company because this is the problem that we're trying to solve. And long-term, we just want to solve more of this problem, right? It's it's almost oh, like it's not, it's not that mission-driven, you know? Like yeah. I, very yeah, few, no. I don't know any... By the way, it blew my mind that one of the finalists for the uh, Carbon Capture X Prize is a Amani mm-hmm. company that found a way to basically sequester carbon and natural minerals and just bury them way deep underground, you know? Oh, interesting. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I, I, but that's I a, that's a real it. mission. Like, how many how many it people is. are doing that in the region? Totally. No, Aziz, you tell me. You're you're a VC. How many people approached you? And when you tell them, when when, they, when you talk to them, and you know, you want to see that passion about the problem they're solving. But what you realize or what you see is, oh, we're going to be end. Up, we're going to end up making so much money out of this. Mm-hmm. This this yeah, this man. this sentence yeah. should be a immediate red flag for any VC. I would assume. Right. Yeah. At, at least in the early stages, you know, later on, <laughs> maybe it should. Oh, yeah. Yeah. By the time they're like series C and selling secondaries and they've checked out and, you know, yeah. all of a sudden they have like three girlfriends that don't know each other. And yeah, but, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. you know, no, there was, there was definitely the, the profit motive was definitely there. Uh, no doubt. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, there weren't really all that many mission driven. And the thing is the most mission driven founders I met were doing it in markets that were small, so small that it, it didn't really matter. And then I couldn't yeah. justify it, uh, cutting them a check. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah. I mean, wouldn't wouldn't that really entail that they're doing the right thing? So when they work mm-hmm. on a problem, to be able to refine it and do it so so well, uh, they have to focus it on a small market initially, and then it's your job as a VC to fund them and help, you know, guide them to scale. I would assume. Am I right or am I wrong? Yeah, but I cannot force the market to accept something they do not yet want, right? So I, I saw a number yeah, of very right. driven founders in the cybersecurity space who were like, we're going to build this suite of products intended for banking and finance and that kind of a thing, which honestly is extremely necessary in some uh, markets in the region where mm-hmm. the you know basically the bank's core system is being run by somebody's Nintendo 64. And... Uh, <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> right, and like you can you can zero, guess the Wi-Fi password. Zero point five GBs of RAM, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So honestly, in the region, the only country that has been doing it really well for a while is the UAE. Mm-hmm. Um, Saudi so has really beefed up their cybersecurity abilities. Um, I, I can tell You'd you be honestly. Surprised about Bahrain, by the way. Oh, interesting. Uh, you guys, you guys have some good stuff because now everyone is going to try to break into Rain, which I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, anything yeah. with banking and cybersecurity, but with, with financial technology generally, is just very well, strong in Bahrain and UAE. Yeah, because you guys, know. you guys have Rain, right? Rain just raised yeah. what, like 110 million Series B not so long ago. That's there's uh, nothing. That's, there's yeah. yeah, there's nothing as targeted as a crypto exchange. Yeah, true. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Like every like North Korean Russian hacker is trying to break into your <laughs> your custodial system. <laughs> <laughs> right. But that's honestly like the speaking on web three, a lot of the mission driven stuff that I'm seeing, even in Mina is all just web three because it's all just, you know, w- like not to dive too deep into a previous episode, but like the, the one point about what it takes for there to be a large domestic incumbent as a tech company here that as he, as he's and I talked about was um, you need to be able to solve a problem that globally people are experiencing and web three, just and the minute you incorporate as, as a company trying to solve web three problem, that's just given because web three is like supposed to be decentralized and all over the place. And it's, you know, when, once that's out of the way, it's not like, Oh, we want to make a quick buck and we want to just get acquired and leave, but it's okay. Let's try to fix this problem because there's a new industry. We want to contribute to it. Yeah. And yeah, I think if, if, yeah, if there's ever going to be But then again, a, a I, have, I have to add the caveat that, you know, as somebody who actively consults with uh, a lot of uh, up and coming dApps and also an, ex- an exchange, um, I can tell you, there's a lot of like snakes and creeps in the industry. And, oh yeah, <laughs> tell me so. about it, man. That's, uh, you're absolutely right. There, there yeah, are yeah. a ton. There are a ton. You always find those, uh, not just snakes and creeps. You'll find the dumb ones as well. So, for example, just literally <laughs> an hour ago, an hour ago, I get a text yeah. from someone. So I'm I'm launching a business that's uh, construction on the blockchain. What? <laughs> just just a sec. Are you? Do you mean you want to build something on a metaverse? No, no, no. I have a construction business and I want to take it to the blockchain. I'm like, so you oh, want to change no. your servers and store data? No, no. I, 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 th- that was an hour ago from this conversation that we're having right now. So, yeah, uh, I, I, yeah he was blocked. But anyways, nevertheless, so what, what I was trying to say... <laughs> <laughs> what, I was try- what I'm trying to say is that, yes... saying man of the people. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't. It was too difficult. I could This was yeah. too difficult of a concept for me to explain. But then again, uh, if you take a look at problems and how they grow, right now the main issue with Web three in our region, I don't know if you agree with me or not, is strictly knowledge. A lot I'm of sure. people don't know what it is, but they want to get into it. A lot of people want to buy NFTs. A lot of people want to get on a, on a metaverse. A lot of people want to start using blockchain to make their business more seamless. A lot of people want to decentralize. They just don't know what it is. 
Yep. And and uh, and that that's why we launched. It. I, I, I'll take this as a, an opportunity or a segue to promote a, one of my businesses that I launched. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's why yep. we launched a business called Demj. Uh, the word Demj in Arabic means combine. So we're trying to do trying to combine the virtual world with the real world. In a sense, what we help, what we do is we hold people's hands and guide them through to to get them onto Web three. And not people's more mostly organizations. Some artists that they want to, you know, that don't understand that NFTs shouldn't just be a piece of like a JPEG that you sell should have utility and all that sort of shit. But the yeah. idea is KT, knowledge transfer, and, and, and whatever that we managed to learn in such a short span of time. Not that we know the shit ton, we're learning as yeah. we go. So, yeah. so this is a problem that exists. It's knowledge. As this progresses, you'll see six months, a year, to a year and a half down the line, when the two million, you know, people that are buying NFTs in the world now, nowadays become twenty million, or fifty, or sixty, or hundred. Uh, same thing with people that are adopting the metaverse. Same thing with companies or organizations that are adopting, you know, blockchain presence. Governments are getting into it, uh, you know, with a private with the emergence of private blockchains for the sake of, you know, having a decentralized network that's privatized for a country. Mm-hmm. It's going to be adopted, and eventually, that's where you're going to see problems being solved that are real world problems. Mm-hmm. And and uh, this process, and as it goes. Is a healthy way of doing things, and I don't know if you noticed, but it's 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 there. You always have the bad apples. You always have the rotten shit. But but it's happening so smoothly nowadays that it, it actually is prom- a promising note to to jump into. That's what I honestly. Would it, it really I is think. 1994, and it is for a, a specific reason in crypto. Like in 1990 in, in the 1990s, late 1990s, at like right before peak bubble. The way you knew it was a bubble is that the, the day people incorporated the business was the day they started talking IPO. Literally. Right. Oh, so there were, yeah. there were bankers who were literally talking to you about an IPO, like as you were discussing your seed round. That's how crazy the market was. And they would trade for like a thousand times forward earnings estimates, Jeez. which were in and of themselves like orders of magnitude higher than they should have been. Um, Why wasn't I adult in 1994, man? I could have like <laughs> just exited then. You know, when it was gone. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, but in, in, in crypto, like you have that dynamic again, which is as soon as you launch, yeah. you have basically what it kind of functions like tradable equity, which is your token on an exchange, you know? Yeah. And um, I can tell you again, because like I consult with them and like, this is like, this is a new company. It hasn't launched yet. We're still working on our core, you know, uh, smart contract. Uh, by the way, we intend to list like what, you know, <laughs> this is how you end up with these ultra super halt, uh, hyper volatile altcoins that are trading like 1999 tech stocks. So yeah, just like, yeah. by the way, at the end of like 99, 2000, 2001, you had like a 90% collapse in most tech stocks and like half of them were completely wiped out. And we're going yeah. through that in crypto right now. And I keep telling yeah. people who say like, oh, that, that's bullshit. That's not going to go anywhere. It's like, no, 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 no. The user count is really growing just like in the 90s with the dot coms, right? Yeah, you were, yeah. The best investment you could have made was the, to buy Amazon in 2001. And I'm telling yeah. you, just like you bought Amazon 2001, buy Curve, buy Uniswap, buy SushiSwap, buy them today. That's yeah. not investment advice. Think- it's not investment advice. Okay. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> right. Do your please. Think- do your please. Do your own research. Don't, don't yeah. Do, do your own. Do your own research. I'm an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. No, but the 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 point that I was going to bring up is like yeah that the every single new tech or every single new industry just has that. T- it has a t- its typical thing or phase in its infancy where there's like mania people get into it for the money. You get your stupid people, you get your like opportunistic people that just want the money and all that stuff. But like saying, for example, like you, you started in the F and B industry at pretty early stage in the MENA region. Like, did you see that equivalent of like idiots or people who just wanted the money? Oh, fuck yes. Yeah. yeah. But, but then, but then they, they only popped up right, uh, right after the big first big exit. You know, oh, when man. I was doing it, people thought it was crazy. 
literally. It's like, ah, yeah. oh, no, you can't do it. And but, but I was like, this guy, these guys are doing it, and they're growing significantly. They're in fact, they were so worried they would call our switchboard, act, you know, acting as if they're a restaurant trying to figure out their rates. That, that was that was how how scared they were. So it's wow. doable. And then and then what happens is down once an, the exit happened, you will mm-hmm. see everybody. I I cannot tell you the number of people that would contact me either on social media. Uh, it's it's an unbelievable number. Social media or just get my number somewhere, and they just want to talk to me. I, I want to launch an app. What does the app do? I will sell food online. I want to, you know, that it's it's yeah, yeah. It's just it's just gonna it, it is that. And why mm. why are you okay? Can you tell me why you're doing this? What are you solving? Ah, no, I'm just gonna do it. It's gonna make money for me. So side income. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> no, exactly. It's not, not it. You're gonna find a ton of these. The majority of them are those people that just want the money, yep. right? Yeah, and 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 that's the problem. But but then, oh, but that's the natural way of how a market grows to a certain level. You know, True. as Gary Gary v, I think said it the other day for, with regards to NFTs. At the you know, but you can apply it to just about every other markets market as well. Mm-hmm. At, the, at a certain amount of time, it's gonna be like an age of greed. After a certain success. Like the BAYC, for example, in this case, the yeah. large acquisition of Palabat at that point, yeah. uh, you, you're going to see six months to a year, maybe two years of greed, greed, greed. Everything yep. is going to grow. You're going to see millions of money pumped into this domain until eventually a lot of them are going to die. And only the ones that are actually adding value that makes yep. sense, that have utility, that have a unique selling point, that have a value proposition that makes sense are going to stay. So this is when you yeah. see massive increases in prices of a certain asset, whether it's equity in a in a startup or a token of a new uh, protocol or whatever, um, or a new DAP. This is this is always going to happen. What I find is yeah. that you end up uh, attracting the very smartest people as well as the very dumbest people to the space yeah. at the same time, because they're attracted by the you know extreme price hike, right? I mean, yeah. the, the, the extreme uh, appreciation in value. So the dumb people think, oh, get rich quick scheme, awesome. I'm gonna do this and then move to Barbados. Everything's gonna be amazing. Smart people saying, like, okay, hold on a second. There's a serious, you know, S curve uh, in terms of consumer adoption or like user adoption in general. Um, this is a new paradigm. There's something happening here. Maybe we should pay attention. So, I mean, with with some of the people that I've consulted, by the way, um, are people who are extremely, extremely like technically gifted. I'm talking about like PhDs from the best CS degree granting universities in the world. Um, and they just see so many different facets for potential innovation and things that you thought were settled, for example, right? Want to switch? I'll give you mine if you give me yours. I'll give <laughs> you all the dumb ones. Cool, but okay. <laughs> oh, shit. What were you doing in school? <laughs> um, nothing. No, tell me yours. Tell me, tell me yours. No, no, no. What I mean is I, I, I'm more than happy to, to swap. Right? Just give me the freaking... Smart ones. I'll give you the dumb ones. <laughs> do you actually want to meet him? I'm, I'm more than happy. <laughs> I'd be more than happy to just wait. Do you have, do you have I, money? I, I, do you have money to invest because they're taking money? Depends what the, what the ticket sizes are. Um, minimum probably twenty five. I think that's doable. Yeah. Okay. Who knew a podcast? Who knew a podcast can be a networking event? I love this. Yeah, right. That's pretty yeah. cool. But anyways, no, I'm pretty, I'm pretty serious. Though. I would like to meet them just, just for the sake of knowing how they. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We can, we can talk. Uh, we can talk off air. Yeah, but um, yeah, totally. what, what were we talking about? I forgot. I just made a deal. Sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're still gonna make one. <laughs> yeah, I know. we, we finally lead, lived up lead, to our name. A lead we're, was we're, generated, but then again, a lead was generated. <laughs> We've earned the right to call us venture bros now. I think that's that's yeah. that's good. 
because it, it had been I'm gone glad, for I'm so glad, long, we would have wound up I'm, denture bros. I'm yeah. glad I'm could I'm glad I could have been part of it, but yeah, 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 yeah I could be part of it. it. So, yeah, go ahead. So you yeah, were saying as he's what was it? Oh yeah, go for it. Oh yeah, yeah. So basically, yeah. I'm I'm seeing you know, the smartest people and the dumbest people uh, attracted to the space, and the smartest people always see like some hey, like this is a massive paradigm shift. This is going to seriously change the way people do certain things, right? Mm-hmm. And the way I can tell that they were actually really that smart and didn't just like you know swallow a physics textbook and regurgitate it during a casual meeting is because um, as the prices declined, there was zero loss of enthusiasm. But you can tell who was getting all of their information, 100% of their information on crypto from those those YouTube videos with the crazy dumb thumbnails with a green arrow in this face. Right? (laughs) (laughs) It looks like the screen. That's so accurate. (laughs) Yeah. So when people say, oh, it's crypto winter, it's like, no, no, no. The shitheads have left, right? The serious people are left, like still in the space, actively working. And anybody who has a brain is actually picking up assets at like really good prices right now, not investment advice again. So paper hands and paper hands are a blessing for people that know the domain. So markets are mechanisms that transfer wealth from the impatient to the patient. And it's definitely true. It's definitely true in crypto. That's, that's, that's not me, by the way. It. That was that was Warren Buffett, but yeah. Oh right. Yeah. No, I, I think the 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 one like interesting thing also with this is is definitely you know so I'm I'm like in in my startup I lead out the engineering stuff like I'm very much you know less on the business side but still have a good understanding of it but I'm very into the architecture and the building and and that type of part of the startup and. Even when I like start to learn about Web three, it's always you know when I started learning about that Web three and like when Bitcoin took off in like early twenty twenty one or something like that. Um, a lot of the people that I spoke to, most of the most of the people who are in it still now through the through whatever like this crash that's going on, or the ones who are talking about the tech and its applications and how to build it, how to refine it, how to like deal with it better. Basically, the ones who just came into it going like, "Hey, I want to like." I heard this one YouTuber made $700,000 flipping an NFT. Like now they just have no interest in it completely. And that's like, it's both a blessing and a curse that, that, mm-hmm. you know, that, that resets happening. Mm-hmm. Well, the good thing is the, the mania, the mania kind of, uh, kind of put everyone on a super short learning curve on the basics of crypto. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So sure. now that this, the, the mania is kind of over the next time crypto kind of rises again, and it definitely will. Uh, most people will be familiar with the basics and see the actual long-term visions of most of the founders who stuck through. So, right. yeah. yeah. It's like an interesting cycle. Like, yeah, mania, reset, and then value investing, basically, in any industry. Mm-hmm. That, that is the cycle. That, that, that's, that is the cycle. Yeah. No matter what, what sort of, you know, domain you're, you're looking at. Uh, right. Did any of you buy NFTs? I have not. No. I have. It's it's my uh my Twitter profile. Did you oh, buy right. that one? Looks like you... You. Yeah, I bought it. Oh, okay, I'm curious now. I want to see your Twitter profile. I want to know what it looks like. What's what's the what's the, what's the what's the collection? Um, I forgot the name. Arabian Punk. Oh, Arabian Punk. Yeah, it okay. looks like yeah, you. Like it looks really like you. Yeah, he does. Yeah, does look like yeah. Him. I bought it because it looks like me. <laughs> but. <laughs> Okay, I, I, I have so I bought I bought a few, I bought a bunch, but yeah. I'm I'm super super happy with the the, the latest two purchases. So I, I got a space bull and an alien friend. So this is the space bull. 
I like that. Is that a is that an ETH yeah. NFT? It is an ETH NFT, yeah. And then I got a alien friend. Okay. Oh, that's that's a current pretty cool uh, profile. Ah. That's, yeah, that's that's my core profile. Yeah. yeah. What, what, so is the, cool, what is the floor on the those? Cool, so the floor alien friends are split in two. You have the OGs, and then you have the you know, what's it called? Them. Uh, what it, sorry, the evolutions, alien friend evolutions, mm. and uh, they're actually called the. Uh, there, the floor on the evolution is much less than the OGs. OGs, I think it's mm. 0. 0.8, 0. 0.8, 0. 0.9, and then okay. ETH, obviously, and then the OGs are like 0. 0.09. Actually, right now, 0.11. That's the current floor. Okay. So yeah, okay. they're, they're getting there. They're they're pretty cool. The community is ridiculously awesome. Man, it's unbelievable. And that's 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 what I'm talking about when it comes to you know utility and value add. Yeah, I didn't yeah, the buy, buy, get into. I, yeah. Not just a Discord. I didn't buy this NFT just because it's a cool NFT and I'm going to be mm-hmm. part of a Discord channel yep. and have friends because I have no friends and I'm alone. No, it's not that. It's more or less. <laughs> it's more or less. I'm buying this NFT because I want to get access to other things. And the good thing is, mm-hmm. when right. you get this NFT, you get access to so many different events. And the community is generally people that are smart in the domain. And yes, you have the dumb ones, but at least you know they're they're mingling with the right people and trying to get up there. So mm. it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's good stuff. Space I'm, I'm waiting. Go ahead. No, I was going to say I'm, I'm waiting for NFTs to you know basically capture all kinds of different assets. Like somebody was talking about, like what if you can own your personal, uh, you know your your DNA, your DNA sequence, NFT it, and then basically license it out to companies who just want to run analytics on it. Why would they want to run analytics on the DNA of some balding Persian guy? Sitting in well, court. not me. But if, <laughs> but if they can get, if, we, if they can get a few thousand of us, and then realize, like, oh, that's interesting. They have a weird little DNA marker that makes their back fuzzy, but head bald. Maybe we can. Uh, maybe we can. We can... <laughs> Why is this I man's chest that. a fire hazard? <laughs> That's, that's unbelievable. But, uh, <laughs> but, but, but on, a serious note, on a serious note, I know that governments are uh, you know, moving forward towards using NFTs, uh, more smart contracts generally for real estate, for car ownerships and whatnot. So picture this. That you is and a I blessing. Here. That'll, that'll be a really blessing. So I, I'm going to sell you my car. You don't really have to go and do all the paperwork. You just buy the NFT of my ownership and I just give you the key and you drive away. Yeah. Beautiful. Also, also, you can imagine if you can, like, you know, basically take out a loan against these assets that typically would be like impossible. You can, <laughs> you can no, now. Really? NFTFI. Just search that on Google. You yeah, can I've, have I've an NFT. There's, there's yeah, a few of them. Can. There's, there's a few yeah. of those protocols out there, and I love what it's yeah. done for just like democratizing finance and fuck the banks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, by the way, I was yeah, saying I, I tweeted earlier today that somebody uh, should create like GCC stable coins, and it would be pretty easy because. Imagine, you know, if you have a, a Marathi Dirham or a Saudi Riyal stablecoin, it's very easy to engineer. You just write up a smart contract that issues one ERC-20 token, like an AED, um, and then, or, or sorry, locks three point, issues 3.75 AED yeah. per uh, dollar locked, US dollar coin locked. And you can do it using only the fully collateralized dollar coins and not have a UST disaster. Um <laughs> What's the equivalent of Citadel in our region? Can they pick, you know, and do, do this? Can they can they hurt us? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. Most of the people running the Citadel equivalents of our region like have a flip phone. So. Uh, okay. <laughs> whenever whenever someone says the word Citadel, I can only think of Rick and Morty. That's it. Nothing else. Oh, really? Because I mean, I was I worked very briefly in investment banking in the states, and anytime anybody says Citadel, like my butthole puckers. 
God. Okay. And with that beautiful visual, we will conclude today's episode. What a visual. Oh, I think, shit. yeah, the, 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 the talking about the Persian DNA and then you saying that just created the worst imagery in my head. That's, that's gonna, that, that has ruined my Saturday. There are multiple people projectile vomiting listening to their AirPods app. They're listening to their, uh, their podcasting app. We love that. Oh, my God. Awesome. Oh, awesome. man. All right. So, no, thanks for joining us, man. Absolutely. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. It was awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah, for sure. Later. Thank you.